we belong to our Heavenly Father, Abba, Daddy. He's our God. He's our Father. He's promised that He'd never leave us nor forsake us. There are a lot of people at this time that are feeling isolated, feeling alone, and that's natural as we're cut off from many of our normal uh, routines and uh, relationships that we have drawn so much strength from. But you know what? Here's the reality. We're never cut off from our Father. You know, he's as close as the very mention of his name, and you can speak to him, you can talk to him, and allow him to minister to you anytime. And so we encourage you, draw nigh unto God in this season. Uh, Many of the people who've been uh, hearing from God across the land, uh, prophets and voices that are speaking, they're saying, listen, this is a time for a spiritual reset in your life where we've been investing and getting our strength and our time and our identity from so many things that are of this world, God is calling us back to him. He's telling us to find our strength and to find our source, our help and our encouragement in him, in his word, in time in his presence, in prayer, in worship. And if we'll do that, I believe the root for the results and the fruit from this time are going to be exponentially greater than we could possibly ever imagine. So we encourage you, draw close to the Lord in this season. Draw close to Abba Father. Let Daddy minister to you in the midst of this time. And you'll find that you'll be strengthened in your spirit and you'll be able to minister to others just as they need you to. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, worship team. We really do appreciate it. Uh, It is a joy to be here with you today, and as I mentioned earlier, today is our 25th anniversary Sunday uh, celebration. Now, this isn't exactly how we anticipated we would be celebrating uh, our 25th anniversary, but what we've done is we are talking about it today. We are uh, adjusting our schedule to do this uh, via live stream today, but we want you to know that in September... We're going to be having a huge celebration, the Lord willing. We're going to be having an outreach here. We're going to be uh, having all kinds of things for you to do, things for the children, things for uh, the public to come and join us and to celebrate with us. And that's going to be coming up in September. And we're really excited to have that time together with every one of you to properly celebrate our 25th year of ministry in this city. I want to give a shout-out this morning to uh, a few people as we celebrate our 25th anniversary. First, I want to give a shout-out to our Mother Church, Calvary Temple. I want to say thank you for all your years of prayer and support. I want to say thank you for releasing us 25 years ago to plant this church in the other end of the city. And uh, we're so grateful for all that God has done, and we're so grateful uh, for those who were released to come with us when we began and uh, stepped out in this adventure. I want to give a shout out to the uh, five couples who started the church with us. I have a photo here uh, for you this morning. And this is the the last photo we have of us five guys together. Uh, Glenn has now uh, passed away, and he is with the Lord, with his wife, Cherry. Uh, But there's Sid Mulner on the left, and then Glenn Shaver, myself, Ted Shepard, and Gary Beaumont. The five couples, and it would have been a much better photo if we'd had 
our better-looking half with us in those pictures, and my wife's giving me a big thumbs up there. But we couldn't find a picture on uh, scrambling together to, to had all five of us in it with our, all five couples, I should say, together in that photo. But uh, we started the church together 25 years ago, and very quickly there were others who were added to us and became part of that journey with us. And we say thank you to every one of you. We say thank you to our extended family, Desert Stream, for all the years of investment that you have made uh, in this house. It has made a difference in my wife and I and our lives and in all of those who gather together every week here and call this home. Well, uh, today on our 25th anniversary, I want to talk to you about thinking big. Uh, Desert Stream, and, and I want you to hear me this morning, it's time for us to think big. You know, it seems strange maybe to talk about this when everything that's usually big Uh, concerts, uh, movie theaters, you know, public events, even celebrations of 25th anniversaries, things that are usually big right now are quite small, maybe even reduced to the place of non-existence. But yet I believe in the midst of this storm that God wants to challenge us as believers in Jesus Christ to think big. Too often we're guilty of thinking in ways which, quite frankly, are way too small for the God that we serve. He is encouraging us this morning to think outside the box, to to think big, to dream big, even in the midst of of a pandemic. You know, if we'll think big and we'll partner with God as people who are thinking big and acting big, we allow God to think and to act big through us. And when we do that, we release him to do so much more on this earth than uh, he would be able to do otherwise. Because God has chosen whether you understand this or not, to work in this realm, in this world, through us. He's not going to go around us. He's not going to circumnavigate us. He's going to work through us. And so the more we uh, think big with him and dream big with him, then the more that God can do in and through each and every one of us. I do not believe that God ever anticipated that the church should take him and put him into a box and that we should limit his expression here in the earth. But that's exactly what we do every time we think small, every time we uh, allow our, our dreamer to get shut off and we no longer picture God doing big and great things through us. We end up removing God from the, uh, from the place where he wants to operate in and through us on a regular basis. A number of years ago, I heard a story about you know, two businessmen who were being sent into Africa as the dark continent, as they called it, was beginning to open up to business and commerce. And so this shoe company thought this would be a great time to go into Africa and to see what, what need there might be for their products in this new market. Well, two salesmen were sent down from the company and they saw the people in, in Africa living and leading very simple lives having very little complicating their their daily routines and looking around and noticing that absolutely nobody wore shoes. Well, the first salesman, he sent a wire back. And in those days, you didn't make phone calls or whatever, you sent a wire. And he sent a wire back and he said, no market, nobody here wears shoes. The other salesman, he thought differently. He wrote back and he said, excellent market, nobody here wears shoes yet. And so you realize the way we look at a situation determines what God is able to do 
through us. And so if we envision uh, and we see a need that God could fill that need and we are his instrument to fill it, then we are walking and talking with God in a way that can make a difference. You know, in the midst of this uh, pandemic with uh, all the headlines and all the talk of, of anxiety and fear uh, regarding not just the virus, but the economy, isn't it nice to know that, that there's never actually been a better time to be alive than right now? There's never been a better time to, to serve the Lord, to invest in, and to reap a harvest for his kingdom than right now today. Today is the time. This is the time, this is the season for the church to rise up in victory and to shine brightly in the world. And so we invite you to join us to do that on our anniversary uh, Sunday, to rise up and to shine big in the midst of our circumstances. Um, The text that I want to look at today actually is from uh, uh, the book uh, of uh, Galatians where he's actually quoting an Old Testament prophet. Now, many times people make application of Old Testament scriptures and they apply them to church. And many times those applications are just weird. Uh, Many times they're sound. Many times they're exciting. But the ones that are obviously the most sound and have the, the, the most strength are those where the New Testament is actually the one quoting the Old Testament in regards to the church. This is when the New Testament writers have a, a revelation by Holy Spirit that a passage in the Old Testament is to be applied to us, the church of Jesus Christ, in New Testament life and experience. And so in the passage that I'm about to read for you, Paul, the apostle, is applying an Old Testament passage to the church of Jesus Christ. And Paul is quoting the prophet Isaiah in chapter 54, and we'll look at that passage a little later on in detail, but I want you to hear what Paul says uh, to the church in the book of Galatians in chapter 4. He says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a promise. These things may be taken figuratively, for the woman rep- women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. The other is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But uh, the Jerusalem that is from above is free, and she is our mother, for it is written, Be glad, O barren woman, who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud, you who have no labor pains, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now, you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise and... uh, And that time, the son uh, born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. But what does the Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Now, you have to understand the legitimacy of applying Old Testament prophecy found in Scripture, from Isaiah 54 to the church, is sound here because Paul's the one who did it. Paul was making the application and pulling on the story from uh, the Old Testament, and he was applying that to the church of Jesus Christ. And the reason I read that passage this morning isn't because I want to preach from that passage, but I want to actually go back and look at Isaiah 54 and look at the rest of 
that scripture and draw from that scripture some of the other beautiful things that God was saying in Isaiah chapter 54 a thousand years ago that apply to us, the church of Jesus Christ today, and we know that they apply to us because Paul gave revelation of tying that passage to the church and the promises that were made there to the church of Jesus Christ as we stand right where we are today in this season. So I want to do that today. So let's look at uh, Isaiah 54 and verses uh, 1 through 5. Put them up on your screen there for you. It says, Sing, O barren woman, this is the part that Paul quoted, you who never bore a child burst into song, shout for joy, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Then look what he goes on to say. The prophet goes on to say, Enlarge the place of the tent, of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. Do not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth. And remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. Amen. What a wonderful passage that is for us here this morning as the church of Jesus Christ. Now, historically, this word was given to Israel when they were living in exile. Interesting, isn't it? That that's exactly how probably most of us feel today as we're living in self-isolation and practicing physical distancing. We can, in many, maybe the small measure, relate to the people of Israel who were exiled from their homeland, from their relationships, from their community, and were experiencing uh, a time of separation themselves. But there, thanks to the revelation of the Holy Spirit, we are now able to look at Isaiah's prophecy and know that the Apostle Paul was directing us to look there and see how God was speaking in that passage to the church of Jesus Christ. Paul's telling us that we who are Gentiles, who were originally the children of the covenant uh, and, and are now children born of the free woman. Although we were once people of the barren, now we are God's chosen and Christ is in and through us uh, more than ever before. Therefore, brothers, we are not, Paul says, children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. You see, we are children of promise. We are uh, children of God's favor. That is who we are. And so now that we know who we are, what is it that God has promised us as the church, as his people, what has he promised us that we can have and that we can do. Well, if you look at that passage, the first instruction to uh, us is that we are to enlarge the place of our tent. Enlarge the place of the tent. Now, the tent was a reference in the Old Testament context to the meeting house, the the mobile tabernacle of God as the people of Israel uh, were in the days of, of, of Moses. Uh, and they used that to worship in the wilderness. And it was a, a mobile tabernacle of God, but it was the meeting place with God. But as the church, when we're called to enlarge our tent, we're being told by God to enlarge the place of our own existence and our own worship. In other words, we're to add to our own number as a community and a family of faith. We're to, to spread out, to stretch out, to take more territory, to realize that we have been given the power to add to our number daily, as the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, those who are being saved. Daily, those who are being saved. 
And how do we do that? Well, he said we have to uh, lengthen and strengthen uh, our, our tent lines, our tent poles. Well, you know, whenever you make a tent bigger, if you've ever seen big circus tents, the bigger the tent is, the higher the tent has to go. So they put up a giant poles in the middle and they raise the height of the tent so that the tent can spread out and house more people. But when you do that, when you spread that tent out and, uh, and you do what the scripture is telling us, then you have to, as you do that, you have to strengthen the ropes that hold the tent together. You have to use uh, longer ropes, but thicker and bigger ropes to be able to hold the additional weight. So how do we lengthen our experience and our reach and how do we strengthen ourselves as the church? Well, I believe that we lengthen our reach by love. The Bible says no greater love than has anyone than this, that he would lay down his life for a friend. You know, Jesus was the epitome of love. And as we walk in the image of Christ and we reach out to other people, we lengthen our experience and we lengthen our expression through love. God is telling us to do that, to reach out to the world. And we have to start right here in our own midst. You know, you have to start ministering and loving one another. And uh, there is no room for bitterness and division amongst the body of Christ. And so if we will love one another, the Bible even says that the world will know that we are believers by our love one for another. And we uh, hear all throughout Scripture that love is the centerpiece of our expression. And that is how we reach out and we expand our influence as we do it through love. But how do we hold that thing together? How do we hold that expression of love together? Well, we do it with, by strengthening ourselves with truth. How true is uh, uh, this is for the church, that we are holding our expression together. We're able to make that reach with love by holding to the truth. And uh, there are so many things and so many ideas and so many concepts out there that are ranged from being way out there to being just a little bit uh, away from the Scripture. Uh, and we need to be people who hold fast to the Word of God, hold fast to the truth, so that the larger our reach becomes, uh, we stay strong in the presence and in the Word of God. And so he's called us to do that, to, to enlarge that place of our tent, to uh, stretch forth our tent curtain wide. And that's how we do it, through love and through the truth. He also told us to, to spread out. And uh, we're told to spread out and to dispossess other nations. Now, in the Old Testament context, that was a physical dispossessing. But in the New Testament context, where Paul is speaking to the church, the church does that by dispossessing other spiritual strongholds. We go out into the world and where the gospel is preached and where lives are transformed, uh, everything changes from business practice to government standards, everything. And as you look at even the history of our own nation, if you were to travel up to Ottawa and look at our own parliament buildings, you would find throughout the entire place, you would find scripture over arches and doorways. You would find the word of God everywhere because our nation was one that was influenced by the gospel of Jesus Christ right from the beginning as we began to establish this country. And uh, so this morning, we need to understand that God is calling us to spread out. And then he tells us, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Uh, that never again, uh, Paul tells us, that we will have to worry about being barren because we will be fruitful. And we're not to have any fear of that barrenness. Now, 
I've met a lot of, of, of believers that, that that doesn't seem to be the greatest fear they have, uh, a fear of barrenness. You talk to them about winning souls, and they're like, uh, you mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually afraid to tell anybody about Jesus. I'm, a, I'm kind of an undercover Christian, you know. Uh, I, I'm not really, I'm not an evangelist. But the reality is that God has called all of us to bear spiritual children. He's called all of us to share our faith, to lead others to Christ, and to be a witness for him wherever we go. And so there's no such thing, uh, in fact, uh, as, as a, a believer who does not reproduce, because Paul tells us the promise to us is to never be barren again. And we're not to fear that. We're instead to embrace the fact that God is calling us to have spiritual children. That is his plan and his purpose for us. Now, we should have in the church the same cry that Rachel had when she was barren. And she said, you know, to her husband, she said, and to the Lord, give me children or I die. There was a sense in her spirit that if she did not have the children that were promised to her, that that would be a fate worse than death. And as believers, if we do not see God working through us, see other people coming to faith, that should be for each and every one of us a fate that is worse than death. We should look at that and say, that's so unnatural. We want to be people who reproduce uh, for the kingdom of God. Now, to conclude this morning, I want to skip ahead to the end of the prophetic word that God had for Israel in that day and also has for us for the church. And look down to verses 15 to 17. Uh, and it says this, if anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. See, it is I who created the blacksmith who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. And it is I who have created the destroyer to, re to work havoc. But listen to this. But no weapon forged against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Have you ever heard of the expression, saving the best to last? Well, I think this is what we have here in this prophecy. We have God saving the best promises for the last for us. And uh, look at what he says. If anyone attacks you, it will not be my doing. Let that settle in for a minute. If anyone attacks you, it will not be my doing. Now, let's just stop right there. Why is it that when we find ourselves in the midst of suffering, uh, many times our first inclination is to reach out and to blame God? Even in this current pandemic, I have had People tell me over and over again, well, you know, uh, it, it's, it's God's wrath that we are experiencing right now. This is a judgment from God. God has sent this plague. Uh, that It's the will of God. Well, you know what? I don't believe any of those things, not even for a minute. If you want to know where, where we stand as a church and what we believe, uh, we do not believe that God uh, has orchestrated those things upon this planet. I've had people tell me that, you know, it's one of the, the uh, writers of the apocalypse and all that kind of stuff, and it's the, the end times. Well, I, I don't believe that. Uh, I believe that we will come through this. Uh, those were the same people who were probably telling you that Y2K was going to be the end of the world, that when the electrical power went down in the early part of the millennium, that was the beginning of the end. And they'll tell you over and over and over again, this is the beginning, this is the beginning, this is the beginning. The reality is that God said he would never leave us nor forsake us. And if we'll take a look at what's going on right now uh, with this current uh, pandemic, we have to understand, first of all, 
uh, God is not caught off guard from this, of this pandemic. He's not the author of it, but he's not caught off guard by it either. It's not like he didn't see it coming. Uh, a God who knows the beginning from the end obviously saw it coming and has been trying to prepare his church and his people for it for many, many, many years, uh, even from the time of Christ walking the earth. God was not the creator of the virus, but as you know, I have read the, uh, uh, in the newspapers and stuff, the origin of the virus looks like it came from cross exposure between humans and animals. In other words, uh, the virus came from eating something or being in contact with something that, uh, you know, was already walking and carrying this virus. Well, you know, what does that tell me? That tells me that this virus has probably existed ever since the fall. This virus is, but it's been contained. It's been contained in some kind of an animal or creature that we were neither supposed to be in contact with or to eat. You know, the Bible gives all kinds of instructions about what to eat and what not to eat. And when you break those instructions, guess what? There are consequences to it. And so God did not create the virus. The virus came into existence through sin in the garden. And now, as a result today, this virus uh, has been released into humanity because people are not following what God's word tells us with respect to what we should eat and what we should not eat. And when we violate those rules, guess what? We end up reaping a harvest from them. So God didn't send the virus. It's the result of contact with animals and with creatures and the consumption of them that God told us not to touch. So once that happens, once you have that kind of uh, experience that we are having right now in our world where a pandemic's been released upon us, guess what? Uh, no, No one is immune to it. And so we're seeing it spread across the world, and, uh, but we also have this promise from the Lord that God will never leave us nor forsake us. And as I said last Sunday, what the enemy would want for your destruction, guess what? God is going to turn it around and use it for good. So God hasn't been caught off guard with this pandemic. He knew that it was, was going to happen. He knew that it was coming. He knew that through the folly of mankind, it would be there. But he also said, guess what? In the midst of it, I will give you a power and authority to rise above it and to show my love and to show my grace to people in an unprecedented way, and you will be instruments of light and instruments of hope everywhere that you go. That is his promise to the children of God. You know, Jeremiah the prophet said, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, he said, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That is the promise of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 7 tells us the Lord will grant that the enemies that rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but they will flee from you in seven. You know, the scripture makes all kinds of declarations and promises to us as believers that we can stand in the midst of any attack and that God will be our protector and he will be the one who looks after us. And God makes an admission in this passage. He, he says, I created the blacksmith. In other words, I created uh, the enemy. Uh, he, he's there because of my hand, and he is there just as Satan exists. God created him. Someone said to me once, did God create Satan? Well, of course, he created everything. But he gave Satan the choice of how he would live, and Satan chose uh, to go after sin and destruction. But God also knew everything from the beginning of time, and he also had a plan to send his son to undo the work of the enemy. And that's exactly what Christ has done. And in this passage, he makes that same admission. He's saying, sure, the enemy exists 
because I've made the enemy. But he said in verse 17, understand and know this, that no weapon the enemy forges against you will prevail. No weapon the enemy forges against you will prevail. And he says, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. Isn't it interesting that the only weapon that he really actually articulates in the passage is the weapon of the tongue? Isn't that something? That when we think about all of the things that come against us as, the, as believers in our daily life, it's the tongue that is the first weapon and the only weapon that he actually speaks of here in this passage. And he says that no weapon formed against you will prosper and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. You will refute every tongue that accuses you. Doesn't that sound like a great promise from the Lord? <clears throat> and then he concludes the passage and says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. This is your heritage, church. This is the heritage that you have, that, that no matter who comes against you, no matter what weapon is formed against you, no matter, no matter who speaks against you, understand this, today, believer in Jesus Christ, that there is no weapon that comes against you that God has not given you the power and the authority over that weapon. You have the ability through God to pull down, as Paul says, every stronghold and every vain imagination that sets itself up against Christ Jesus. You've been given those tools. You've been given those weapons. They come from the Lord, and they are yours. And today I want to encourage you to stand up, and I want to encourage Desert Stream to stand up in your 25th anniversary and to recognize there is no weapon <clears throat> formed against you no matter what the enemy throws at us. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's a spirit of accusation. It doesn't matter if it's somebody telling you that you, you know, your faith is outdated, it's old-fashioned. It doesn't matter what they say. We know that our God will never leave us nor forsake us and that every weapon that's forged against us will fail and that we will prevail as the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? Those are exciting words from God this morning. And so the promise to us on our 25th anniversary and to you watching online today, no matter whether you're a regular part of this church or not, these promises are for the church of Jesus Christ as the whole, that God is telling you today to stretch forth your tent pegs, to enlarge the place of your gathering, to reach out, to, to step out, that God wants to add to your number today. He wants to add to your influence today, that no matter where you are in the midst of this situation, God is giving you an unprecedented opportunity in history to demonstrate his love and his power. You know, lights shine brightest in the darkness. If you go into a room that's pitch black and you flick on the screen of, of your uh, phone, you know, I've had this experience myself. I'm sitting outside and, and you know, someone will message me and I'm just sitting out there in the evening and uh, in, in the summertime and on the back deck and then you flick on your phone, then all of a sudden little, little bugs and stuff will come and they'll land on your screen. You ever have that experience? Because in the midst of the darkness, that is the shining light that they're drawn to and they're attracted to. Well, guess what? When times get dark, when times get difficult, the brighter you, uh, your light shines. And when your light shines, people are drawn to the light of your shining. They're attracted to your glow. They are coming close to you because you, in the midst of it all, you have a peace. You have a strength. You have a hope. And Christ is that strength and that hope. And people are drawn to it in unprecedented ways. 
lives. And that's the opportunity that's in front of every one of us today. I believe that God is giving us a great time to be his hands and his feet. Probably the greatest time we've ever had in history. Certainly an unprecedented time in my lifetime, and I'm a whopping 57 years old. So, uh, you know, I'm saying in my lifetime, this is probably one of the greatest opportunities we have to step into darkness and to let our light shine for Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to do that with me today uh, as people of God, to take up uh, this uh, call from the Lord and to recognize that God has given you an opportunity to stretch out, to expand the place of your dwelling, to, to extend the borders of the kingdom of God like never before and to let your light shine. And God is going to empower you to be able to do that. And I would love to be able to pray with you today and release the power of God in and through your life to influence those who are all around you. Father, I thank you today for your goodness and for your love. I thank you, Lord, that through the prophet Isaiah, a thousand years ago, that you spoke, and you spoke to us as the people of God, and that you are telling us today to, to literally, Lord, uh, stretch out and to expand our influence and to recognize that no weapon that's formed against this, uh, this person, against me as a believer, will ever prosper, but that, God, every tongue that accuses, every word that will be spoken, that, Father, you will refute because this is my heritage. This is what I have received as a servant of the Lord and that your vindication comes uh, from you and it is there for me. So, Father, I thank you for that today. I thank you that, Lord, you have empowered us and, and caused your glory to shine through us like never before. And we're so grateful for all that you've done. Uh, Father, we accept this challenge today as, as our church on a 25th anniversary. Lord, to recognize it's time to shine. And, Father, it's time to think big. It's time to, Lord, uh, dream of all that God wants to do in and through his children and to expand the, 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 the place of influence that you have in our communities. And Father, we thank you today and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We want to uh, say thank you for tuning in with us today. And we also want to remind you, Good Friday, 11 o'clock, uh, you can tune in the same place. And, and, and I've had people ask me, well, I don't have Facebook. Can I still be part of your service experience? The answer is yes. Just go to our website, and we have embedded the video feed into our website as well. So you can go right to our website, and you can watch from there. You can participate with us from there. As we share communion together uh, on, on Friday at 11 o'clock, and then also on Sunday as we gather together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're excited to be able to do that uh, via this uh, online experience with each and every one of you. Make sure you don't miss out on it. Friday at 11, Sunday at 10, have an amazing Passion Week as you experience the passion and love of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. God bless you, and thanks for tuning in with us today. Amen.